This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to the Poetry Questions TPQ20, where we sit down with your favorite authors to talk about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. My name is Chris Margolin. Let's expand the conversation. Good morning, sir. How are we doing today? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing all right. I am Chris. Uh, thank you so much for hanging out with me today on TPQ20. Um, but we always like to say that we know who you are, but our audience might be new to you. So if you were to kind of give that bio that, you know, doesn't show up on your website, uh, who would you say you are? Uh, well, I'm, that's not my job. That's the publicist's job. So go, go get a publicist <laughs> to figure it out. Uh, I've, I just came up um, as an only child, working class, small town, America, um, developed a, a passion for hip hop very early on um, and writing in general early on. Uh, being an only child, I was able to just explore um, and be creative without any older siblings ridiculing me for it. And I got to keep it a secret. And, you know, like it was kind of a sweet incubation period for a creative mind to, to explore and get all the embarrassing stuff out of the way at first. And then um, when he felt confident enough to um, step in front of a crowd, Thankfully, you know, I felt like the skills were honed enough that I could hold my own and then get inspired by the live setting and um, it just propelled everything propelled from there everything launched off from from that like modest beginning of, of me just tinkering around with words and ideas and flows and rhymes um, literary techniques. I went to a very strict school, I would say. Um, and in fifth grade, I had a teacher named Miss D'Antno, who was a, a stickler for the English language. <laughs> that really was a big part of how I was able to pass a lot of my other classes, because once I learned how to use the language and write and bullshit my way, you know, with convincing language, you know, it got me you through everything. enough, you know. It didn't help with math class, obviously, but um, <laughs> everything else. That's what I try and tell my middle school students all the time: is that once you've learned English, you can you can tackle every other subject. You just have to fake it till you make it. It's really amazing. I, it's, I mean, no joke. It's really yeah. those little those little tools that if if you lock them in early enough um, and you learn, because language is such a big part of how our brains develop and. Um, what we come to understand and know about this world and with the limited you know understanding of how language works you really kind of set yourself short or, or you know you kind of make things more difficult for yourself right. it's a cheat code there's a lot of cheat codes get unlocked with with the use of language and I'm not the best speaker like I'm not uh, talking wise I'm not it's really all about the page for me. I've never been much for discussions and I, it'll come through, I think very easily in this, <laughs> our discussion here, but uh, you know, I want the truth out there. I want to be able to titillate the listeners and 
make them understand what I've experienced and why I want to explore the human condition and share it with as many people as possible. And hopefully it makes it for a more enjoyable existence for them Yeah. somehow, you know? Well, and I have to ask then, so since writing came, well, I guess, did writing come before the love of the audible language? So, I mean, were you, were you, I guess, let me rephrase that. Were you putting, when you started writing, were you writing in what you thought might be poetry or lyrics, or were you writing just as, you know, kind of we journal all those secret thoughts? Um, More in, yeah, story form and poem form. That was in like fourth and fifth grade is when it, I, I started getting pretty serious about it. And was there, uh, really, was, you know, oh, was there like a catalyst poet for you? Was there somebody that, you know, you were reading early on or that was read to you who you were like, Ooh, I like this. I can, I think I can kind of mimic this style for a minute. No, not at all. It was really, was just the, the simple school assignments of, you know, they teach you how to write a poem and then say, okay, write a poem. What are you going to write a poem about? But um, taking it beyond the school assignments and just doing it on my own for my own entertainment. Um, I didn't read much at all early on. I, the only things I remember reading were like uh, Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing and Super Fudge. Those oh, were like book. my big books back then. And I really look forward to sharing those with uh, my girls and my son when they get old enough for that. And they're close. Oh, so it's so much good. fun. We have, we have an 11-year-old. And sharing those books that, you know, we loved growing up, uh, it, those are some of the best moments ever until they, of course, say, yeah, we get this and just walk away uh, when they're a little too old because the Xbox is turned on. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, we're doing our best. I'm just, I am so impressed with how well they can read at such an early oh. age because I didn't start reading until first grade. And, right. you know, we got a, kids in kindergarten are reading full on chapter books now it's amazing um yeah and you know they're addicted to their uh tablets already but they've been good when we make you know we tell them they have to get off but they're not at an age yet where they realize they can actually say no (laughs) (laughs) and you know leave us with no options like what are we gonna do i mean i will i will trash the tablet but that will that's not the solution i think one of the cool things about like the world of like xbox and video games and tablets and everything is that the storylines for the video games got better i think there was yeah i think i think in some of you know and it's not like among us has the greatest storylines when you just you know ghosts traveling from room to room to room but like there are a lot of games that i'm finding now that our kid has picked up on where they're just i mean they're reading more than i can ever imagine reading at you know 11 years old it's pretty right this is a whole new world they're they're, they're, i mean they're playing minecraft so they're learning (laughs) yep learning a lot of different stuff that will probably and hopefully come in handy later down the line and learning coding do you mean pong didn't teach us anything (laughs) and i hand thumb coordination (laughs) you know my old colloquial vision sitting around here somewhere i could pull yeah I was I, I was totally addicted to Nintendo and you know Atari I couldn't get addicted to it just because it was so boring right. but I you know I loved playing it but not for too long it just was not uh, captivating enough my, and my now parents, we're, uh, yeah my I don't think I'm gotta, go ahead go ahead well I, I just I'm, I have been out of the gaming scene since Nintendo so I'm not <laughs> nearly as caught up as I'm going to need to be for them to uh, enjoy whatever the games are like these days even minecraft oh, i'm out like, i'm I out even, I, 
my wife and I have tried so hard to understand Minecraft, and I don't. I, I just I, I don't get sitting there and building all these. But I did. I wasn't didn't play The Sims either when I was a kid. So yeah, like I don't. I think I think those are the same similar type of of games at least for for this generation. It's crazy what's out there. Just gonna keep our eyes on the chat functions and all that. Oh mess. yes, <laughs> yes indeed. Yeah. Parental parental functions on uh, on Microsoft are actually pretty decent these days. So I like that. That's cool. <laughs> so uh, heading back toward kind of the music world, um, when you look back at it, you know, at like personal journals, and you're is that is that still the Sage Francis you are today, or who are you when you look at at those albums? Who do you see then? Um, no, it's not the same, and it, I, that comes through in my music, I'm sure. Uh, I th I've been thinking a lot about it recently, just because we're at the 20th anniversary, and it's for how much stuff has happened in the past 20 years oh, man. um musically tech techno technology wise in my life it's just a whole different world and i'm in a different part of my life where i can look back at that and say wow that was just a very loose cannon fancy free dude with like zero accountability <laughs> and and taking advantage of it i think i was aware of it at the time enough for, where i could really go crazy and um and ex uh, exercise a lot of demons i was dealing with um or maybe conjure them maybe you know i was conjuring certain demons while exercising others uh, the whole world was open the internet was brand new um i was finally accessing audiences outside of rhode island you know it's yeah. just man it, it, the whole world was ahead of me and i was exploring it all at the same time so that i think comes through in an album like personal journals where i threw everything and the kitchen sink at it style wise content wise um just being vulnerable but also trying to stick true to certain east coast boom bap roots um and I, I didn't have a style, like there were some styles I was playing with that were obviously mm -hmm. brand new to me. I, I kind of was just like, I'm just going to try everything. I, I want this. If this is the only album, album I ever make, let me, um, let me do everything possible, say everything I want. And, you know, that's kind of how I went about it and not really knowing too much about the business and how things would end up um, turning out. I just took every opportunity as they came to me and, and, that left me in a blur for a long time because I just was go, go, go straight up, right. straight from even before personal journals. Cause when I started releasing the mixtapes uh -huh. and uh, winning the, the, the MC battles and then getting opportunities to play all over the world, I just took every show opportunity. If someone wanted me to perform at um, a laundromat in Idaho, I was there, you know? <laughs> Something tells me that actually happened. It did happen, yeah. <laughs> so that was, on a, that was on one of the early tours, but it was like, we played everywhere. If someone asked me to, if there was an open mic and I was available and my, my schedule was free, I'd be there. I, I, and I'm very, very different now. I, I mean, there's nothing compelling me to get in front of an audience or be around people whatsoever. Um, and that is a total 180 from what I was in my early 20s and late teens, where I always wanted to be around people. I, in fact, when I went to college, I opted to stay in living in the dorms for four years. I, I really oh, wow. loved being around people my age. 
And, um, you know, because as an only child, I felt super right. lonely, I think. And it was it was just was fascinating to be around people who were my age and just getting into dumb stuff and <laughs> get back to playing video games. Like I had yeah. kids to play video games with then. It was cool. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, it's interesting because because there weren't a lot of rules and there weren't a lot of, you know, it, it was a, it was a new world, especially for this whole weird concept of independent anything at that time. And I think, you know, when I look back, because, you know, I, I graduated from college in 2003. So, you know, the, the uh, you know, you were kind of formative in like those early message board days and like the the key style battles that used to pop up. Because I remember the old strange famous boards, mm -hmm. and the, uh, you know, the constant the constant freestyle or key style battles that that were on there. And I think those were those were kind of early formative years for some of the you know the later maybe turned tumblr turned uh, soundcloud rappers yeah yeah well the the key styles if we were if they were happening on the strange famous forum that was all in jest just for you know <laughs> shits and giggles and that oh, was yeah. a, a wonderful reason for the for to be on a message board but before that say like on undergroundhiphop.com mm -hmm. they had probably the biggest forum message boards and um I remember when I first discovered it, I was like, oh, damn, I can share rhymes and people are going to read them. So I was I took it serious at first. I was like literally taking on a, a like if someone would lay out a concept, I would write a rhyme to it. And like people were like, oh, damn, this kid needs to get signed. <laughs> you know, I took it super serious. Um, it, <laughs> so, but it all evolved from that. And I, you know, as of now, the, I think the only thing that's even uh it resembles what it used to be like is reddit where i can Ooh, go on yeah. reddit and i troll people there for fun just just for fun <laughs> just you can, it's one of the only places left where you can actually troll people the way you used to on old message boards <laughs> where you give like a wrong answer on purpose right. and you wait to see how many people jump on you oh, um it's the best like those little things like when because i work so much online i need that little tab open so i can just have a little bit of fun on the side and then get back to my work so um yeah, yeah i mean with the internet getting as big as it did when i when i first started off and my career was starting to grow i was on every message board i could be on i was yeah. uh, using aol instant messenger to uh converse with fans same with uh napster there was chat functions on napster so i could search oh, i don't out. even remember chatting on that wow that's a yeah so that was 98 99 <laughs> and you i if people had downloaded or had my music on their files that they were sharing i could yep. uh let them know about other stuff i was doing so that was cool but i it was it was just the wild west of the internet where you didn't yeah. know what would turn into what so you might as well just make yourself constantly available um and it helped. It worked out. It, it, all these things that I learned back then, I, I didn't really know how it was going to turn out. And I can't right. recommend that this is how people should do it now because it's a, it's so different. But that's how it worked for me. It was. It's interesting because I've been playing music since the early '90s in Portland, and like the the days of like postering everywhere, just constant flyering, and it kind of you know the internet took over that world a little bit, and the message boards and. Totally like putting yourself on every, you know, every, every, uh, you know, street corner became putting yourself on every message board. And it was a, it was a weird transition, but it was a really cool transition. Yeah. Now, and we're these days promoter and not even these days for the past like 10 years, I feel like promoters almost wholly um, rely on the artist to promote the shows through their social media and events page on, on uh, Facebook and, 
they're always giving you instructions on what they want you to do and how many people to invite to an event page. And I'm like, dog, can you put a fucking flyer in a window somewhere? Show me a picture of you doing something. But, uh, Oh, come on. The early, uh, the early days of, uh, not even early days, the days of Facebook when people were buying tens of thousands of fans and then only 40 people would show up at a show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, the, the fake followers of that started happening with MySpace. That was right toward the decline of MySpace yeah. where I saw people were um, paying to get fake views on their songs that were displayed on their profile. My song's um, been listened to a hundred thousand times. And someone just hit me up on Instagram pushing the same type of scam <laughs> that I was familiar with from the MySpace days. And this cat, his name is DJ Horse on, on um, Instagram. <laughs> He has over 2 million followers oh my God. and hardly any uh, engagement on his page. Right. And he's, he's like DMing me like, Hey, I can get you more um, <laughs> followers or more views. And I'm like, yeah, but how many are bots? I mean, right. well, how, how does this translate into real world mm-hmm. shit? Um, and some people actually do fake it till they make it. Some people be- have benefited from that. A lot of mainstream artists um, engage in that completely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, as involved as I am in social media, because I have to be for the sake of our business, right. I, I'm very aware of, oh, okay, he has 200,000 followers, but he hardly gets any likes or engagement with his followers. So what does that really mean? What, what does that all result in it? A promoter will look at it and be like, oh, okay, he has a big fan base, we'll get him a show. Um, and that can help or hurt you. Because if you end up fooling yourself into thinking you have a fan base and then it turns out no one shows up <laughs> because they're all fucking fake <laughs> you look like a, a dummy well, but uh that is uh, that's the game a lot of people are playing now i we're i'm lucky to have laid the foundation early on and see the fan base grow and and uh audience members come back and bring friends with them it's very organic oh, yeah. and easy for me um to make sense of it's not easy for a promoter who just looks at my spotify numbers and be like damn you know i thought you were bigger uh more well known than that and i'm like i i am but i've also told my i've been i've been relentless since spotify Mm -hmm. uh became a thing i always i had always told my fans i was like you know what fuck spotify and like we're always pushing people to come to our website we want people on our platforms that we control well it's a family yeah and and that's good in some ways bad in other ways Mm -hmm. bad in ways where people uh outside of our company can't track where our um support is Mm. coming from or if we have you know a fan base and uh you know atlanta big enough for us to play a mid-size venue so that becomes a struggle yeah i mean that's i think i think one of the things i always loved about going because i I don't know how many times i've seen you out here but one of the things i always love is that it does feel like a very family type you know environment when you go there people you know people really do love being there and i think you know the openers that you've brought with you the poet openers and then just some of the people you've brought out have been you know, my my favorite uh, my favorite Sage Francis Portland show was when you were I think it was Mac Lethal's first tour with you, um, and it was at the Roseland. And I remember him sitting down on the stage, uh, no music. He just sat down. He had everybody in the in the room sit on the floor, and he just it was uh, he went through one of his early like Mermaid albums, mm-hmm. um, and it was incredible because everybody wanted to be there, 
and it was mm-hmm. a, it was one of the first you know that that show the like an early like 99 buddy wakefield show um you know i met jared paul and taylor molly because of you um so i think you know you you kind of bring people to a place where they they actually are listening to what you're saying and uh enjoying who you're bringing with you so it's always you know there's always something to a, a sage francis show or a strange famous you know family extension show um, right that was always that was always important when we were doing tours for us to um pull other people up with us uh, yeah. expose them uh, expose the new audiences to new artists and um i've i've tried to do that with every tour right up from back then to modern times in fact we're as far as the whole family re- we're doing like a family reunion for strange <laughs> famous because nice. it's been like a long time since we've all done a show together right. in fact we've never all done it the closest we ever came to all doing a show together was in 2007 i believe at um south by southwest and uh, we all obviously splinter off because we live in right. different areas of the world not just the country but we're very mm. scattered amongst the globe yeah um but i just was given an opportunity i can't really give details yet i'm sorry about that but <laughs> i'm right. excited about june of next year I was given a budget that will allow me to bring um, several artists that I haven't played with in a long time. And we're all convened in one area for a free show. And uh, I'm excited. I'm super excited. I'm not, and I'm not, I don't get excited about anything, almost anything (laughs) anymore, not music related. Uh, And I don't want to perform. Like I I have no desire to to perform for people, but what's getting me excited about this that I've recognized in myself is that I'm I'm actually excited to um, facilitate this thing where I know other people are really going to enjoy it. And it's not reliant on my performance, although I'm sure that'll be integral <laughs> to the whole event, but that's not what's inspiring me. Yeah. That's going to be so much fun. I will definitely, I'll mark down June of, of next year on my calendar for some going somewhere. Very cool. Yeah. June 17th, I believe. Yeah. Nice. So as we kind of move toward the ending here, who are the, you know, and maybe it's the over the years or maybe it's the current, who are those voices in kind of, uh, you know, words and music, you know, words of poetry, words of music that really inspire you or who is out there right now that we should be listening to or reading? Um, what are you enjoying? I am, I am very immersed in strange, famous artists. That, um, I don't, have a lot of free time to explore other music outside of our circle (laughs) so and i've never been good at that i I mean artists like drake are still new jacks to me like i feel like oh someday i'll check out this new guy drake you know i'm not familiar (laughs) (laughs) it's real that's that's, that's awesome i gotta say that's kind of a nice world to live in teaching teaching middle school will bring you a whole bunch of uh music that you never you never thought you would listen to yeah and i'm sure when our our kids get old enough they'll be you know wanting to listen to stuff i i have no idea about but and that's that'll be cool you know i'll try to keep an open mind about it all um but i've been i've been meticulous about who i include in my circle um i need them to be um good people but you know also good great artists and creative people and and so this um working a lot with mopes who used to be called prolific oh okay what yeah what he's doing production wise and um video wise and rap wise uh it's 
it's inspiring me that it's for the last two years when he made the name switch and then he just started pumping out a bunch of beats and helping produce albums for other artists on our label. Um, this new cat we've been working with, his name is Jesse the Tree. He's, he's from Providence, Rhode Island. I kind of knew who he was, but um, when I first saw him perform was in a, it was a very strange festival in Germany a few oh. years ago. And I was like, oh, this guy, he's got it. <laughs> you know, like there was something I was like, I, he had a very minimalist setup, nice. but he captivated this crowd in a, in a tough environment. And um, so I've, I've kind of kept my tabs on him. And then when it came time for us to work together, Mopes situated a, a full album with him that we just released last week called Pigeon Man. Amazing. And uh, yeah, so Jesse the Tree has featured on several other strange famous releases. It's, there's something very, I would say, um, casual and natural about him. There's nothing forced and he's not good with promoting. He's not good online. He's, you know, he's not, right. he doesn't do any of the tricks that it takes to, in order to garner an online following. So, you know, we carry a lot of that weight to make sure people understand he's not just a, this isn't just some um, random local rapper. He's actually got some very special uh, ability and we're, I, I mean, we're called strange famous sort of for a reason. We've got a lot of strange cats in our mix. We had like every one of us has something super weird going on in their life or, um, and what they do musically, but it wouldn't come through. Like you don't listen to it and say, Oh, he's a weirdo. No, not at all. But it's weird that he's as talented as he is. And he just doesn't nothing. Awesome. Uh, he has, doesn't have the rapper personality, you know? Right. There's nothing That's arrogant. Fantastic. There's a is a lack of arrogance, which part of me is like, how is that possible? But um, <laughs> you know, well, as far as writing, uh, that writers that inspire me, the last writer who I just was enamored with is Tom Robbins. Uh, oh. His books, I just yes. I breezed through his books when I was traveling. The only time I really read is when I travel. Yeah. Uh, and I haven't traveled in a long time, so I haven't read anything in a long time. But I want—I can't wait to go back to read all of Tom Robbins' books again. Oh, he is, yeah. he is he's a master of the craft. Yeah, and he's still alive. He's like, he just turned <laughs> 90. I want to write letters to him. I think he lives in Seattle or the Seattle area. Um, so as you can write to him in a P, I don't know if it's this, this still stands because he is quite old. And I'd right. hate for him to, I'd, I'd hate to think he's 90 years old. And he, he has something he wants to do and he's like oh, i gotta read these fucking letters man. <laughs> you know that sucks <laughs> well on that note thank you so much for hanging out today on tpq20 uh, i absolutely look forward to sending more people your direction and i will always keep listening and looking out for what is coming in june of next year so, all right uh, appreciate it we got a lot on the way so thank you very much awesome well thank you so much sage and i will uh, talk to you soon thank you cool peace Bye -bye. Thank you for listening to the Poetry Questions TPQ20. Please like, rate, review, and subscribe. See you next week.